podcast with your producer, Seattle Who. Welcome to Radio Free Virginia. It's the broadcast arm of Who's Place. I'm your host, Val Prochaska. I'm joined in the studio by Seattle Who, our producer and the founder of Who's Place. This is Season 3, Episode 24. Now, there is a lot we could talk about in terms of Virginia athletics. I mean, we could talk about the baseball team who advanced to the College World Series and had become, perhaps, the living embodiment of the notion of peaking at the right time. We could talk about men's lacrosse. I mean, they've won the national championship two years in a row now. Or we could talk about freshman phenom Emma Navarro, who's the women's NCAA tennis, champion, tennis singles champion. We could... And we should, and we're going to get to that next episode, but we're not on this occasion because we are graced for the third time on this podcast by the presence of Steve Swanson, UVA women's head soccer coach. Women are coming off an interesting year, split season and all, and a successful year as the women advance to the Final Four. And yes, we're going to call it the Final Four, even though in soccer circles it's known as the College Cup. But the women made it all the way to the College Cup after losing Zoe Morse, Courtney Peterson, Phoebe McClernan, and Meg McCool, which is a talent drain that was no doubt the equal of what Tony Bennett lost in losing Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, and Ty Jerome. So it was a fabulously successful year, Coach, from my perspective. Welcome to the show, Steve. Welcome, Seattle. Well, thanks, Val. Thanks for having me on. I enjoy talking to you guys all the time. So, well, we're great. Well, that's good. Great. That's what we want to hear. So, um, so I guess just diving right into it, you know, we, we talked last year at the uh, conclusion of the ACC season and the ACC tournament, knowing full well that the NCAA tournament was going to happen in the spring and you would get, you know, some run up of games. Um, you know, so I know that men have been advocating a split season like this for years and haven't heard it so much from the, from the women's side, but. Now that you've had a split season, what's your perspective? You still want to go back to all soccer in the fall, or did this offer some benefits for the team and for your play? Well, I, I feel they're I, I feel mixed um, uh, mixed in the sense that there are some things I really liked about uh, the split season. I, I did like the championships in the spring. Um, I thought the format uh, every four days or so playing a game was uh, made for better soccer and made for uh, a better game. Um, so I like that standpoint. I liked it from the standpoint of uh, more, more or less we played one game a week, which, which I think is, it was good for the, uh, the players, uh, better for their acad- academics, uh, better for preparation, better for recovery. Um, you know, the, the difficult thing is, is the, the challenge and the, with the, the dual season is the development piece. So, you know, the, the thing that we focused on so much in the fall was getting results. Um, and in the spring in a regular year, we would focus more on the development because you're playing games that, um, you know, don't don't necessarily matter in a sense of a, a record or uh, a ranking or uh, a tournament that you're qualifying, trying to qualify for. But for this year, it was different. You know, everything mattered. The fall mattered and the, the spring mattered. If you played games that counted, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Florida State, Florida State didn't play any 
games that really counted because they felt they did enough in the fall uh, to merit a number one seed, no matter what they did in the spring. And so they, they just played a bunch of scrimmages in the spring. Um, right. For us, for us, based on what we, what happened to us in, in the fall, uh, we wanted to challenge ourselves uh, more, but we, we also didn't want to lose the ground that we had made in the, in the fall in terms of, um, you know, we had a good record. We played some, obviously in the ACC only, and we, we had some good results that we felt, um, you know, potentially we could be a seeded team, but we needed to play some, some quality games in there. And so, you know, when you look at the split season, I just think we lost something in the development side because we had to continually think about the results and how important those games were to uh, the, the record in the NCAs. Whereas maybe in other springs, you could play more of your roster and develop them more uh, in the spring mm-hmm. because you didn't have, uh, you didn't have things that uh, went towards the tournament and things like that. So it was, uh, it was certainly interesting. I, I think it's going to be, it would be interesting to see how the Northern teams fared given the weather. I think there were some of them that couldn't get outdoors until April, literally. And so how does that yeah, go? With split season? So, so there's mm-hmm. some, some, some real positives. I, 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 I felt, um, there's some really positives about the, the year in general, um, but also some things that I'm not sure, um, you know, when push comes to shove, would it, would it slide me over to uh, advocating for a split season all the time now? Okay. I think what I really like most about the split season is that you wind up having your championship in May where the the weather is, is just, in general, so much more conducive to just playing great soccer. It was in late November. It, it gets so cold. Uh, you know, I, I coached teenagers yeah. and we would go to tournaments in May and we would go to tournaments in November. And man, those November tournaments, even down here, down there in Virginia, they could be pretty brutal. Yeah, no, I think, I think, and I said this before, I think the, the, having the tournament in the spring, there was some real positives. Uh, the format, the way the format was set up was a positive and the weather. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But I've always advocated, even in the fall, I've always advocated, let's go to a place where there's a 90% chance that you're going to get good weather. Right. And a 10% that you're not going to get good weather, as opposed to a, a 50-50 or anything lower than that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, go to San Diego or something. <laughs> yeah, some, somewhere. <laughs> realize it's for I think that's something well, we that's... have to think about here. Um, because you're right, you know, it, it, there's a lot on the line and, and you want the games to, to be showcased. You don't want the weather to be right. showcased. Yeah, it's, you know, Although, it's great. Soccer is such a beautiful game when, you can, when they can go out and play it in good conditions and, and run and, and, you know, not have to deal with those, the challenges of it being so cold. It, so. Yeah. Well, but then there was, then there was our, our game against Rice in the tournament, which was, you know, delayed by two and a half hours due to thunderstorms as you know a bunch of teams were waiting on buses how did you keep them loose you know for because you guys had started warming up for that game against rice hadn't you yeah we we were uh we were in the stage well we felt we our our warm-up is not uh it's less than 30 minutes so they had guaranteed us 30 minutes on the on the game field, no matter what time we, we got on there. So we felt we hadn't actually started our warm up. Rice had. Rice had got through about 15 minutes of their warm up. 
but we hadn't actually started our warm up. Um, but the big concern when they sent us to the buses was, you know, we, we, we were supposed to play this game uh, at a certain time. We had set up our pregame meal four hours before that, which we normally do. And now we didn't know, okay, are we going to be starting our game at 1030 when at halftime we, we need some, we need some fuel. So we, uh, yeah. we, the minute we got on the buses, uh, we sent our two assistants to the store and uh, we got some carbohydrates. We got some uh, some hydration stuff, and we got that in them before we went back out to warm up. And uh, it's those kinds of things you, you don't think about, but you have to, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 I never started a game. We played one game against Texas A&M when I was coaching at Stanford. Um, there was a tornado down in Texas, and we didn't start that game till about quarter to ten. Um, and that was the latest we had a game go. We, we kind of ended around midnight as well, but this, this one was as late as it and you know, it's crazy, crazy. I, I was writing the game report. I finished at like two in the morning. <laughs> I don't want another <laughs> game like this, man. <laughs> it's just too late. <laughs> but, um, it was one of our better performances in the tournament. I'll say that game. Well, I, I like them all. I, I want to recap them in a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, for me, I mean, I, I like the notion of a, of a split season just because I worry about, you know, the, the, the injury factor and just, you know, you're constantly loading your players. And, you know, for us, you know, for us Virginia fans, you know, we got to see the, for instance, the, the return of Taryn Torres. Um, who returned in the fall, but I, I didn't think she was effective, as effective as you had thought. But, you know, seeing her back this spring was just, you know, sort of a revelation. I mean, she's been my favorite player to watch for a couple of years now. Um, I mean, she was masterful. And, and if we hadn't played in that spring, we would have still seen what I consider to be, you know, subpar Karen Torres, you know, so I enjoyed seeing her, you know, in the spring, you know, it was just, it was great to see. Yeah, that's certainly another advantage of the split season is that an injury like that is not going to take away the entire year. So I, I think yeah. that was uh, – there's not, there's something to be said for that as well. And Taryn was a completely different player in the spring than she was in the fall, naturally so. She just didn't have – you know, she, she, she got injured early in the preseason. And, uh, you know, she really wasn't healthy until the end of the season. But, of course, she wasn't fit at that point you know so we right I, I i couldn't you know one of the most gutsy performances i've ever seen from a player is karen playing against florida state in the fall having had barely any time to get ready and uh she comes out there and, and gives us an incredible 65 70 minutes you know and she hadn't played much at all so uh oh she really did and you know i mean she's playing directly against Jalen Howell, who was the, the Macroman Trophy Player of the Year, you know. So um, I, I feel vindicated. I, I wrote after Jalen's uh, freshman year, I said, by the time she's done, she's going to be ACC Player of the Year. <laughs> People kind of laughed at me and it's like, well, it, she arrived a year before I thought she did. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, no. she's a stud. And, yeah. and Karen had to match up against her, and she's she did wonderfully, but it was yeah. one hand behind her back, I think. So. <laughs> So, which uh, which brings us to the subject of other injuries. Um, you know, we lost Anna Sumter for the spring. Does is, is that 
the end of her UVA career? I mean, did she tear her ACL again? Yes. Um, you know, Anna, Anna, uh, for those that, that don't know, Anna tore her ACL three times prior to coming to the University of Virginia. Um, I've never seen anybody uh, recover from something like that and play the way she did in college. Um, uh, you know, and, and then on top of that, she had a, a pretty uh, major surgery going into uh, the fall of 2019 that she, uh, she came out of that. We weren't, we weren't expecting her back in the fall of 2019, but she had her surgery in the spring of that year. We were expecting that she may not even be able to play in the fall, but she came back and, and true to her form, she finished her rehab well ahead of schedule and played had a great, terrific year. Um, she did. She, I didn't know. No idea. It, she was injured. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was, I think that it was, it was sort of towards the last bit of practice in the spring. She went in to try to redirect the ball uh, past, past our goalkeeper and she caught her foot and she got right up. She looked fine. Uh, but when she got up, she, she told our assistant, she said, I tore my ACL. I mean, you know, she's done it enough. She knew exactly what she did. <laughs> She literally got up and walked off the field, and I thought, "Oh, she's she's okay, you know." Um, I but I think that um, I think that, uh, in fairness to Anna uh, and the injury, and and uh, you know, I've had two replace. I've had a hip replacement in the last two years, and I've had a shoulder replacement. And uh, I think for her, it's, it's time to look after her, the rest of her life, you know, and make sure she's able to walk yeah. and run and do the wants to do. Uh, to have a, a a healthy lifestyle down the road, so um, you know she's rehabbing now, and she's 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 doing what she normally does. She's coming back, but I think um, looking towards her long term health, um, you know, we, we just we're we're not anticipating her playing anymore. Um, you know, and it's too bad because I, I I feel, and again, this is my opinion, but I felt she she could have played at the next level as well. Um, and one of the saddest things I, I witnessed in my time coaching, uh, but it just tells the kind of person Anna was, you know, when we won the game against TCU to go to the final four, uh, Anna was there and, uh, she was, yeah. she was so happy for the team, so excited for the team. But, uh, you know, when she, when she left the stadium, she broke down, you know, because you can imagine this is her dream for five years she put in all the hard work and she had helped us get to where we wanted to go but she couldn't play in the game that mattered the most and i felt so bad yeah. for her but she's such a great person amazing leader that uh you know she's just she's those are the stories that you don't hear that i wish people would hear more of about what college athletics is all about and the kinds of stories that are there and the kind of people that make teams what they are you know she was the she was the glue that held our team together. And I think one of the reasons we got to where we did this year uh, through, through a lot of adversity is, is the leadership of Anna Sumter. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's important. And uh, you know, that's why, why we want you on the, why we want you on the stage so you can, uh, you can share those stories. 
you know, Anna was the uh, the local girl who made good. I mean, she's from Charlottesville. And uh, beginning of the season, I think, you know, your Facebook page, you know, whoever was doing your uh, social media was posting pictures of, uh, of the, the players as, 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 as young kids. And, um, you know, there's a picture of her and her, her mom and dad, I guess, you know, taken in front of the rotunda that is almost eerily the same picture that I took with my daughter in front of the rotunda. You know, I was like, you know, I stood right there and taking that same picture, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, yeah. local girl makes good is always a, is always a, a fun part of the story. So, yeah. She's an amazing success story. And I think a lot of young players, um, you know, she was, Anna Sumter was not an all American. She was not a top a hundred recruit. She was not a national team player, but, uh, she helped lead us to uh, great success here and I think had all the ability to play at the next level. And it's because of um, how she went about improving uh, day in and day out and uh, the drive that she had, the determination that she had to, uh, to improve her game. And I, I think it's a, it's a real success story. Okay. So moving to the other big injury from last fall, what do we expect from Sydney Zambi? Well, Sid, um, as you know, Sid tore ACL about five games in. Um, you know, everybody had injuries and everybody had issues during COVID, but I sure would have liked to have seen our team in the finals uh, in the NCAA tournament, those two added. Um, Sid is, uh, her rehab's gone very, very well. She's uh, worked really hard and uh, she's on schedule to uh, to be back and uh, ready uh, come preseason. So. We're, we're really excited about that. thought she, uh, prior to her injury uh, this past year, was playing some of her best soccer of her career. Um, and she, she, does, she has some skills that, um, that not a lot of players have. You know, she can uh, get herself out of tight situations. She can tall pressure really well. And she can create things for our team uh, attacking-wise. So we, we miss her. And uh, couldn't be more excited to have her back as well for another year. Or so, but her rehab's gone really well, and uh, you know we expect her to be at full strength uh, come August. Wonderful, glad to hear it. So, looking at the uh, recapping the um, you know your the road to your uh, to the final four, um, you know <clears throat> listeners here know, and those who who read my uh, read my column know that from the middle of the fall season, I was frankly terrified about, you know, for UVA's prospects of, of making it to the, um, to the NCAAs, given that it was a, it was a reduced field, you know, the ACC, the NCAAs announced pretty early on, you know, when the season resumed that, you know, there was going to only be a 48 team tournament. And there were clearly five teams that were really good in the ACC this year, you know, Florida State and UNC and Duke and Clemson was really good this year. And then there was us, of course. And I was, I was frankly panicked at the notion of, of, you know, that five, you know, ACC teams would, you know, gobble up, you know, seven of the 17 at large bids. So I was, I was scared. I was panicked. I was worried. How panicked were you, Steve? <laughs> I mean, how confident were you? I mean, was this just me, or did you really feel confident going into Selection Monday that you guys were going to the NCAA's? 
No, I felt confident we were going to the NCAAs. No question about it. I think they, it would have okay. been hard to leave the third. It would have been hard to leave the third place team in the ACC uh, uh, off 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 a forty eight team NCAA tournament. Um, okay. Now, the the the, the thing that was uh, more concerning was I was more concerned with where we were and how we were playing at the time um, than whether we would make the NCAA tournament. There were a lot of there were a lot of people that were upset because they felt we should have gotten a seed. But I never felt that. I didn't think it was enough to get a, a top 16 seed. Um, you know, I do think uh, we beat Duke at Duke, although the score says it's a tie. I can tell you we beat Duke. <laughs> um, two goals went across the line, um, you know. Um, so that that was disappointing that we didn't get the results in that game. Um, and then Clemson, obviously, we, 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 we lost down there, uh, didn't play well. Uh, didn't get a result against Florida State, uh, didn't get a result against UNC, uh, and didn't get results against West Virginia, to be fair, you know. And so I felt, you know, at that point, you don't, you can look at it and say, hey, what did you do to earn a seed? Um, now, we played some decent teams and we won games and that was good, but we didn't do enough against uh, the teams that were in the top 10, top 25. Um, you know, that, 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 that would have done that. But in hindsight, and I said this at the time, uh, prior to the, the first round game against SIU Edwardsville, I think we needed that game. You know, I think we needed an extra game. Um, and I think that game actually uh, helped us. So I, I think the two games against West Virginia uh, were, were NCAA caliber uh, games. And I think they they really helped us develop. You know, if we would have played a couple of scrimmages and not counted those, uh, I think we would have, have lost uh, what we needed to get from those games. And then we went up to play Sky Blue. Um, we, we, we couldn't play JMU when we were scheduled to play them because of their COVID issues. And so we went up to play Sky Blue, and that turned out to be a very, very – uh, helpful uh, educational experience for us as a team, you know, because at that point I really didn't have a barometer of where we were, um, but that game gave us a real clear indication, okay, this is where you are physically, this is where you are, um, you know, technically, tactically, preparation-wise, what do you need to do now? And, and it, it gave us some clear guidelines of where we need to go. And I think West Virginia, the two West Virginia games did that as well. So. Well, the West Virginia games were, were exciting and fun to watch. I and mean, I was disappointed that we didn't get the, the results, but I mean, West Virginia is a really good team this year. I mean, I was, yeah, I was impressed with them. Very I mean, athletic. Yeah. Yep. They were, they were very athletic. I thought they were well-organized. I think we've always had, Great respect for the West Virginia team. I thought they were, I thought they were better than us uh, up there. I didn't think we. I, I think we we struggled offensively up there, but I think again we learned a lot. And the 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 great thing about coming back a week later and playing them again was you could chart the progress. You could really say, right. okay, look, these are the things that we needed to do in the game, the first game, and we didn't do. Can we do those in this game? 
and you could see the progress in the second game, in my opinion. And I think our team, uh, you know, I think our team, you could see the progress from the sky blue scrimmage to the West Virginia first game. And you could see the, the change between the uh, West Virginia first game and the West Virginia second game. And then we had a couple more weeks before we played in the, in the first round against uh, SIU. So, um, you know, I felt like, I felt like in the end, once we got to the NCAA tournament, we were kind of like a ship uh, in the water with its sail out, but we just, and we just, can we catch some wind here and get some momentum behind us? And we ended up doing that, you know, and, and credit to the, you know, all credit to the players. Um, Cause we certainly, we certainly didn't start well in the NCAA tournament. We gave up a goal quickly after 10 minutes, but I think from that moment forward, I thought I thought we caught caught wind and and really got some momentum behind us and carried it from one game to the next. Well, sure, sure. So, I mean, I, I know that every coach says you know you don't look beyond you know the game, but you didn't. There wasn't any notion that you know SIUE was a warm up game or a play in game or a scrimmage game. No, I, I actually thought they presented some problems. Um, that were really good for us uh, when we played them. You know, they 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 had some a, a good a player on the front line that was quite good, a player in the midfield that was quite good, and a player on the back line. And I felt um, going down in that game. Um, again, you never like to go down, but I think our response to that and uh, the way we came back into the game and uh, asserted ourselves, I think, was everything we needed from a first game, you know, we got tested. It wasn't, it wasn't a game where we, you know, we, we, we played a team that sat back all the way and things like that. I mean, they, they came after us. and I thought No, they, they definitely attacked. I mean, they had yeah, every intention. Thought, this wasn't right. They wanted to, they wanted to play, right. they wanted to play soccer against but, you. you know? Yeah. And I, and I give them credit for that. And I think, you know, I didn't think it was our best game, but I thought it's, it was, it was good to see us uh, come together. It was good to see, um, you know, our defense start to, 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 to come forward a little bit more. And I, I thought there were some good things in that game. And I thought it was the right, it provided us a, a really good segue into the tournament, um, especially going up against BYU. So let's say we get seeded. Let's say it's the opposite way. And BYU is our first game in the tournament. I, I think it's a it's a whole different mindset, you know, and uh, we we had a chance to to uh, to build into the tournament and to get a game under our belt, and I think that was important going into the BYU game. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say because I was if I if I if I like seeing West Virginia, I was really impressed by BYU. I mean, they were the highest scoring team in the country this year, which is usually a title that you or Stanford hold. <laughs> um, you know, but they were the highest scoring team and, and watching their midfield, you could see, I mean, that was the fastest midfield I think I've seen in a long time. I mean, yeah. all those players could turn and turn at speed. <laughs> um, I was very impressed. And, you know, for me, that game is going to always be the Laurel Ivory game. Um, yeah. You know, she had, <laughs> that game could have been over at 10 minutes. I mean, she had three maybe three of her best stops all season in the first five minutes. I mean, they, they came out and blitzed coach. 
Yeah, they were. They yeah, were awesome. We knew they were. We knew they were capable of that. They've kind of got a high, uh, a high risk, high reward kind of style, um, and you could see that. You know, if 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 Laurel doesn't make the save, we maybe give up two or three goals in the first ten minutes. But she did, and then it. You know, they were they left. By the way, they play. They left themselves open at the back, and we transitioned against them, and Alexa scored. Um, so I think that you know that was a game where I didn't feel, as a staff, we had the the game plan right. We changed twice in the first half. Um, you know, to try to neutralize them a little bit, but I mean, they're athletic, they're fast, they were technical. And, uh, you know, that, that was a very, uh, that was a challenging game. We knew that was always going to be a challenging game, um, for us, but I thought Laurel played her best game for sure. And, and oh, the game definitely. that I think we, we've always, you know, Laurel always, you know, we see what Laurel can do every day, but, I think the country finally saw the Laurel Ivory that we see every day. And, uh, you know, Laurel is a fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, I, I don't think she's gotten her due here at Virginia. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, she, she, I know she, she has really, it. I mean, you just, I mean, come on, she, her first two years, she had, you know, Phoebe and Zoe lined up in front of you and you're just not going to get that many shots against you. You know I mean? Yeah. It's and I just, think, you know, think, you know, she, yeah, she she makes she makes the saves, you know. I felt like she makes saves that make a difference, but she's she's making maybe one or two of those. But in that particular game, she stood on her head and she kept us in it. And I think I think it was uh, a real confidence booster for her and a real confidence booster for our team until we kind of got things sorted out a little bit more. Um, obviously, getting the first goal helped us a lot. Um, but I think once sure. we got the first goal, we, we changed a little bit uh, formation-wise to neutralize uh, their attack a little bit more. And uh, but I think they were always going to be a threat in that game. Uh, to be honest, that was a quarterfinal, semifinal type of game, in my opinion. They they were very very good and deserved absolutely all the action well, they got during the year. Yeah, I mean it. It only happens because. If anything, you're underseated. So, you know, my quip to, to uh, you know, Seattle with, when at the time was, you know, that whatever whatever group you were going to be in was going to be the group of death because you were yeah. just too strong a program to be an unseated team, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's it's kind of like the Netherlands in the World Cup, you know, whatever whatever group Netherlands is in is going to be the group yeah. of death. But, you know, <laughs> you know, and, you know it, it, the one thing, Sal, that's interesting is is with 48 teams, you had some some uh, interesting matchups and some quality games there uh, right from the get-go, you know? I mean, what, if it weren't for three minutes, Iowa probably would have beat UCLA, you know? Um, so right. it's fascinating. The tournament's fascinating because it's a one-off, but uh, but I, I have a, a lot, you know, it's been a long time. The last time we played BYU, I think, was in 2001. They came out here, and, uh, you know, they've always had a very good team. I've known Jen for a long time. She does a great job with the program, and I, I think uh, I, I, I think we have a lot of respect for them. That was, that was one of our, no doubt, one of our most challenging games in the tournament. Oh, I, I, I think it was my, it was, I think it was your best game of the year. I mean, um, 
so like how much game film do you get of these guys? I mean, you have 15 games worth of game film. Do you have three or four games worth of game film? I mean, how does it work for a secondary sport like women's soccer? Well, you can, you can get access to, to, to games. I think, you know, for most of the tournament games, we would probably have access to, um, I think in some teams we, we might have access to 10, 15 games if we wanted it. But, um, you know, a lot of these games you can, you can see them play in the tournament. So, you, you know, the biggest thing is trying to get uh, the most current version of them and, sure. and games that, that you feel you can learn the most from. Um, so I think there's access um, and, and, and I think now, most of these division one teams are uh, putting video into servers and you, you can, you can find video on, on all the teams. Um, yeah. Some you get more games than others, but I think the key is trying to find what's going to be the most applicable videos and what's are they going to be the ones that educate you the most uh, given the games that they've played. And also, you know, you have to look at their, uh, the current team, you know, if, if somebody would have, um, looked at our game beginning of the fall, they would have seen Anna Sumter and Sid Zandy in the game. And of course they're not available in the spring. So, you know, those are things you have to, you have to be aware of as well. But I think that the, the scouting and the, the time I told you at the beginning of the show that scouting the times that we, the amount of days that we had between the games uh, made for better games, because I think you could, there's proper recovery time and there's proper preparation time, or uh, well, there's enough recovery time, enough preparation time, where you can do both in between games. Um, had we played games on Friday, Sunday, it would have been a whole different story, especially with our team, yeah. because we just didn't have a, we just didn't have a very, you know, at the, at the time, I think we had five defenders available, you know, so we we had lost some defenders and. Um, you know, it's 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 just we're 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 a little banged up. Um, you know, at the time we played our first couple games, and then we ended up uh, one of our players that had been out for four four and a half weeks came came available to us against Rice, um, and that was good. You know, we 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 got her back in time uh, for the next three games, which was good. But uh, I don't know. I you know I just don't know if we it's a different tournament if we play. Uh, SIU on Friday and and uh, you know BYU on Sunday or something like that. You know where you're playing two games in, in three days. It, it, it can't possibly be as good. I mean, it's you are asking your players to play to give a hundred percent and sell out, sell out and be there completely on the field, and you can't play as well. And it's it's harder for everybody. I mean, I I. You know, I hate injuries. You know, I want to see our best 11 play every other team's best 11. And, you know, we're seeing this in the NBA this year, you know, that the teams that, that played late last year, you know, were just broken down and worn out with only a two-month break between the seasons. You know, it's it's players need time to recover. <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. know that better yeah. than anybody. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it it's just... So I, I mean I, I liked it, you know, and it was it was fun. So then our next game was Rice, you know, who had pulled off the shocker of the tournament by knocking out West Virginia. I I do admit to looking forward, you know, 
that 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 game, that potential Virginia West Virginia game was the game I circled on the bracket. You know, when I printed it out, like, okay, now we get our revenge. Doesn't really matter what happened when we played two non-conference games in the spring. You know, what matters is going to be the NCAA tournament, and you know, Rice knocked them out, scoring their only shot of the game, which was a penalty. But you know, they did what they were supposed to do. They won. They came out and pretty much parked the bus against you. And, you know, unlike SIU, and you handled them pretty easily. Well, that was a or very would you say challenging easily? game. Yeah, well, it was a very challenging game because, um, first of all, I would say this. I don't think any people were saying, well, you weren't expecting West Virginia. And my answer was, well, you weren't expecting Virginia either. If you were looking at the seed, you would have expected West Virginia and BYU to be in that exactly. game. Not, not, not. So I think that, uh, you know, if you look at Rice, if, if you watch Rice play all year long, they played the exact same way every game for the most part. Okay. They were a counterattacking team. They relied on their defense. They, let teams come out and then they smothered and, and, and went at, went after it. And they got a lot of goals on set plays. They are lethal on set plays. So this was not a game that on paper going in was easy. And we felt very strongly that, um, you know, this, this was a team that we've seen do this all year long. And they were good at what they did. You know, they, they have a very strong defense. They didn't give up a lot and they were very good on set plays. And so I think our team of all the games, I, I think somebody would ask me, what, why were you successful in the NCAA tournament? I think we were successful because our players did a really good job of taking the game plan and, and, and executing it. And more so than any other team that I've had. And uh, I think the game plan against Rice was to, to keep the ball, to pin them back, um, to not let them get their counter going, and to take away their set play advantage by us possessing the ball in their half. And once we lost it, to win it back as fast as possible. And if you look at that game, the possession stats that we had, and uh, our pressing, in, especially in our attacking third, uh, made all the difference in the world. And I think they were a very good team, uh, but I thought we neutralized their strengths and, and uh, we did what we had to do in order to, 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 to win the game. And, um, you know, I think our players deserve an enormous amount of credit because I think on paper, you look at that game and it looked easy, but it was not, you know, we never thought it was an easy game. And I think they, they've shown that they can beat teams. I mean, they beat Texas A&M. Uh, they were down two to nothing to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And they came back and beat them in overtime. So they, they, they beat West Virginia and they beat Texas. Showed that they could beat teams, uh, good teams, you know. So. Well, then I guess this is the time for me to break out my, my favorite sports anecdote ever comes from Roy Keane. You're, you're familiar with Roy Keane, the Man United legend? Yes. Yeah. Well, he was, um, this was, oh, I don't know, this was 20 years ago. And I guess they had just, Man United had just beaten some, you know, lower table team. 
ahead of either a fixture against Chelsea or a Champions League game or something like this. And some unlucky journalist basically asked Roy Keane, like, well, so uh, these guys were easy. Was it nice to have a break before you have to face the next team? <laughs> and Roy Keane gives a glare like only he can glare. And he grits through, spit it, spits out through gritted teeth like they're all hard. You know, yeah. and I, I love that. That's my favorite. That's my favorite anecdote ever, you know, and it's, he knows what I don't know because, you know, I stopped playing in high school, <laughs> you know, but you have to go out and win every single game regardless, you know, and they're all hard and you just, you come off of two other games and people like me are going to look at it and say, well, look, rice was easy because I think I counted. I think it was like 14 minutes into the game before they completed three passes in a row. I mean, I, I started counting and, and, and watching, you know, it, because you did you did press immediately. They could not, literally could not string two passes together. It took them 15, 13, 14 minutes before they finally could do that. Um, well, I think, so, yeah, and I, I, yeah, one of the things I'll say about that, Val, is if we lose the ball, if we lose the ball anywhere around our half line or even um, – even if we lose the ball 10 yards into our attacking half, there's, they're still not as compact defensively and they're still able to counterattack. The difference for us, when you look at how effectively we got into their attacking third, once we get into their attacking third, their defensive shape is much different than it would be if we were attacking at the, from them at the half line. And right. that was the difference for us. We were able to penetrate and make good decisions to get them low, really low. Really the ball, we were in a much better position to regain it and do that quickly because they were so compact. Now, had we started to turn the ball over higher up the field, they would be in much better positions, especially their forwards, to counterattack against us. And I think that was the right. key to the game. Yeah. Well, you, you, you played that one to perfection, Coach. <laughs> well, I didn't um, do that. I with, think our, you know, I wish I could play. Well, uh, well. I, I've always said to our players, I said, I said, I always say to the players, I said, you know, I'm more nervous because when I was a player, I felt like I could make a difference in the game because I was out in the field as a coach. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's hard to make that same amount of difference because you're not out in the field, you know. So, well, but the players, the, the players. Well, game. sure. That's, well, they, it, it is they, a players' game, and that's what that's what I have always, you know, when I when I have arguments with basketball fans and football fans, you know, it's like these guys, you know, these coaches can call timeouts, and you know, if you're a basketball coach, you know, you can you can communicate with every single player, but you know, you're not going to be able to communicate with Lizzie Saraki when she's 60 yards away from you. <laughs> You know, just yeah. you have to yeah. let the players yeah. play. <laughs> you know, yeah. soccer's a yeah. player's game. You're right. You know. Yeah, that's one of the we things I love this- about it. I've often, uh, often wanted to suggest getting rid of the timeouts, like in basketball. I the other thing I, I've always thought is that it should be against the rules for anyone to uh, directly address the referees. I really I hate the whole working the refs thing, but you kind of have to do it. At least in other sports, I don't know about how it is in college soccer, but I know in other sports, if you don't, you get screwed. But 
I, I just I hate that part of it. Well, that's a good yeah. question for you, Steve. I understand that. Do you work the refs, or I mean, what's what's your approach to? Or, or are you going to plead the fifth on that one? No, I I don't feel I'm I don't feel I work the refs. I've never tried to do that. I don't think uh, I think a good ref uh, you could never work. Um, I certainly w- would try to call their attention to. Uh, to, to some things if I felt strongly about them, but, uh, I, I, I've never, you know, I think it's a difficult job. It's, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly not easy. And I think that, uh, our game has, ha- it's happened so quickly that, uh, you know, they just have a difficult job. And I've always felt, you know, as much as I lament, um, incidences that happen that I feel shouldn't I, I I always feel that our team should be should overcome anything any potential uh, uh, difficult call or something that goes against us you know I, I just feel like that's why I feel like teams uh, teams that I coach I, I would want them to take responsibility for that you know and if it comes down to a, co- a, a referee's decision that maybe that isn't the, the one that you would want hey you got yourself in that we got ourselves in that position and so we have to take responsibility for that, you know. It's just like mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, we we didn't do enough to get a seated to be a seated team. Maybe some people would have said, yeah, you should have been a seated team. But I I would say, you know what, we didn't do enough. That's on us. We have to make it yeah. unbelievably clear that we deserve to be seated. And if we didn't do that, then that's our responsibility. And I think that's always better uh, from that perspective to take responsibility and to to own that. You know, and I, I would say the same thing about referees. So I'm, I'm with well, you on that, Fred. How's that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks to the thanks to the pandemic, I, I got to see two games of yours this year there where there was almost nobody in attendance. So more so than ever, I could hear you on the sidelines. And no, <laughs> you weren't working the refs. Seems like you leave that for Jaime. <laughs> um, uh, you know, he, he's, much, he's much more vocal than you. <laughs> You know, especially that West Virginia game Ron, at home. Ron, Ron, Ron's on the sideline with me. Ron, Ron, but Ron, Ron is. Uh, we, we're both. Get, sometimes we both get going, so I can't. I can't give that all to him. I, 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 I certainly <laughs> get. Uh, I can certainly get worked up. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, moving on to TCU. Um, knock them off one nothing on just a stunning Lizzie Siraki header off of a corner. Um, but I, I guess the thing that, that struck me was, you know, you, that was the game where, to me, your forward line, that was the hardest I've ever seen them work. I mean, I, I thought Diana had just a blinder of a game, not offensively, but her work rate playing defense. Um, yeah. I was, I was just yeah. stunned. I mean, and, and, and Becca's got the speed to, to Harry and to come back and to drop back, but it just seemed like Diana was just dropping so hard and, and, and winning so many balls in our middle third, you know, to just deny yeah. it. Because TCU was a, another really good team. Yeah, TCU was very good and uh, deserved their ranking and, and really gave us all. Uh, I think each line stepped up, you know, obviously you can say a lot about our defense. We, we let up one goal. 
at the very beginning in the first 10 minutes of the tournament. Um, <laughs> I think our, I think our midfield uh, performed very well and we got some, uh, some really good performances um, from, from players in that position that don't, you know, without Anna Sumter, without Sid Zandy, uh, players like, uh, Emma Dawson and Alexis Theoret stepped up, I think, and 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 and, and played well. Um, but I think the biggest difference in the tournament uh, was our forward line, and and I think, you know, each of them had uh, games where they scored, um, but I think as a group they 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 all were very effective in in every game, even if they didn't score. If, if that makes sense, they they sure. They, I think, played hard on both sides of the ball. I think Alexa scores uh, in the first two games, uh, but she she continues to cause problems in the others. I think D scores a hat trick, um, and uh, you know, uh, but I think was was extremely. Um, Dee's very very cerebral player, and you, you know, we had to make some adjustments. And when we got the goal against TCU. Again, we we kind of uh, at that point, given where we were physically, we said, "Look, we're going to keep our shape here. We're going to keep things really tight. And if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to come through us. You can't get back. We're not going to let you get behind us. You're going to have to either come around us or get through us." And uh, so we moved deep back a little bit more, and I thought she was uh, effective. She's she's very smart defensively, and uh, I think Rebecca worked very hard throughout the tournament as well, but. That was, uh, you know, that was a, not an easy game, and I felt, uh, I felt we that was one of the ones we kind of we got it out quite a bit. We did what we needed to do to win the game. Um, it wasn't pretty at times, but I, I think that that credit TCU for that. They they were uh, they had some good athletes, some strong physical players, and uh, we just uh, we had to be careful not to get stretched in that game. So. Well, I mean, certainly, certainly was. There was, uh, I don't know if it was controversy, but, you know, I mean, we had a shot against us. I'm blanking on her name. I mean, she rocketed a shot from 30 yards out. Literally, I think it was Angela Hookley's who was calling that game. She said, you got to watch out for so-and-so. And, And, you know, 30 seconds later, she stole it. (laughs) You know, she had a rocket. she, She had a rocket. Yeah. yeah. No, she had a um, Good. I, I, you know, it was one of those bang bang plays, and uh, you know, she's she's a heck of a player, and she's a player. Some of these players don't see that often. You know, I I had not seen her that since the COVID year. You you, you don't see as much. Uh, sure. I thought she was. And uh, you can see why she's got drafted for sure. <laughs> which which led me to my, to my thinking, you know, how are we playing a semifinal, you know, with excuse me, quarterfinal with with only one camera? I mean, wouldn't you have expected there to be more cameras? I mean, I, I know there's no way anybody could have seen that. Ref couldn't have seen it. I mean, the TCU staff bench was it was apoplectic, but I know they couldn't have seen it. They had no idea whether that ball crossed the line. 
You know, it would have taken a linesman being dead even, I think, you know, with a line, which he wouldn't have been, you know, standing on the offside line as he is. There's no way of knowing that. How do we know, how do we play a game of this magnitude with one camera at midfield? I mean, yeah, is, is that... I, it's, I mean, it's, I don't even know if, if, unless they have the goal line technology, you know, that it's, it's, it's really, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting dilemma where we're at now with video and uh, VAR. I, I, somebody said to me 15 years ago, hey, what do you think of this? And it was a ball with sensors. And so, you know, you, you, you play with a ball, you can't tell it has sensors, obviously, but it can, it can tell you whether the ball went, the whole ball went over the line or not. And I said, right. I said at the time, I said at the time, well, I think for the, for the pro and world cup international level, that that would be a good thing. But I think college, you know, um, it's one of those things it's where expensive. You, you, well, it's expensive, but also it's, those are again i go back to my theory you know those are things that you want to get right but unless you you're putting all this the the investment into uh, technology and things like that it's gonna be hard to do in the college venue you know it's just it's just difficult and i also feel um you know that's part of sports that you have to deal with you know and right. there might be a call that goes against you we had a call that went against us against duke you know, same same kind of situation where we felt. Um, same thing with with uh, same thing with Clemson. We went down to Clemson and played Clemson at their place, and uh, we we were down one nothing, but we got a penalty called for us. And uh, you know, the the ref was adamant about the call. Clemson immediately showed the replay on their video board, which was right in front of the referee. It happened to be on the same side where the referee was. And you could see him look at it, and he realized he made a mistake. Well, it wasn't reviewable, you know, but... Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so, you know, these are things that when you... When, I think when I, when I end my life, my guess is I'm going to be 50-50. And uh, half of the calls... <laughs> I got half the calls. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole, the whole issue of... Video and technology assisted refereeing. That we could we could fill an episode with a discussion on that one. I could fill an episode yeah, with my, with my my own position on it. I, I I don't I don't think it makes the games any better in in the long run. But and, well, I, and I think it hurts you know, sportsmanship. Listen, listen. I've I've gone through two three World Cups. Uh, one with with VAR, and I can tell you that. It's still up to the interpretation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can see something, but it's still going to be up to the interpretation. Exactly. And, you know, as coaches, as coaches, what we're trying to do is eliminate the randomness in the game. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to take away the randomness in the game. You want to play chess. Right. We, we, we hope the randomness isn't what wins the game. Mm -hmm. But inevitably, when there's a real fine line between teams, it can be the difference in the game. And, you know, we, we played North Carolina in the ACC final two years ago. We lost to Laurel Ivory to an injury, and we had a chance to win that game. We hit the post. It goes away, right? Here mm -hmm. we are two years playing Florida State in the semifinal. 
Rebecca Jarrett hit the same player, same goal, same thing. Hits the crossbar, drops down, doesn't cross the line. So, you know, you, 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 you want these things to happen. But again, as a team and as a coach, you have to eliminate the randomness. So that, that's not going to dictate the game, you know, and that's what, we, that's what you try to do. But in our game, oftentimes it's the randomness that makes the difference. You know, it's a little mm-hmm. bit here or there that makes right. Yeah, and with with scoring being so difficult in soccer and and having so few scores, that the randomness can have a, a seemingly outsized impact because you get one goal that's affected by that randomness, and that could be absolutely the difference in the game. Yeah, right. But you know, you you go back and you look at it and you say, you know, you you've had ninety minutes, and you know it's it it's hard because there's a lot of times you can pinpoint, well, if that would have changed that one moment, but there's a lot of instances you can go back in the game and say, Hey, this, you know, this, this was a difference maker. This was a difference maker. And again, it's just about, it's about your team doing the things they need to do to, to make it clear that, you know, we deserve to win the game, you know? And, uh, no, I mean, Florida state game, we played in the semifinal, um, uh, we, we, we had our chances. You know, you can't say we didn't have our chances. That was on us, uh, especially in the first half. Uh, I felt we lost that game there. We had, we had quality chances, and we just couldn't put one away. And, uh, and that was the difference in the game. I mean, we, couldn't even, we didn't even score a penalty kick, for God's sake. So, <laughs> um, so that, that's on us. And, you know, we, you, you could say we were, well, we, you know, we, we, we played well enough to win. We did, but we didn't do enough uh, to do what we needed to do to win. And that was, that's on us. So. Yeah. But I, I liked how you started out the Florida state game. I mean, I don't, you know, I've, I've been urging in print or her online, you know, that you play Becca and left and Alexa on, on the right. And you, 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 you've done that, you know, on in your substitution patterns throughout the tournament but she lined up Becca on the left. And I just think she's much better curling in on her right foot than she is curling on her left. And so, I, I mean, I, I presume that Mark Gregorian, coach of Florida State, was unprepared for that, you know, um, because you, we really did, Becca and, and Leah Godfrey and Samar Gedry, you just, you owned that left side for the entire first half. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there cheering that you did what I had wanted you to do. <laughs> What's the likelihood that you're going to bring that back next year? Or are you going to play it coy? You know, it, it, you know, soccer is a game. Uh, one of the things I love about coaching soccer is the, um, the fact that there's a lot of unstructured, you know, nothing structured as much. If you look at the game of football, I think I've said this before to you. There's so much structure in it. Um, sure, the game resets confused. every every play, you know. And you you you, it, it's hard to deviate from whatever that play is going to be. You certainly have different options in a play, but it, it's not like it's not like uh, uh, soccer where you know it, it, there's a lot of creative to it i think what we've tried to do is you try to develop relationships within your team and those relationships 
not only go horizontally across the field. So you're dealing with a back four and a goalkeeper. You're dealing with a midfield three. You're dealing with the front three. There are relationships there that each line has to to understand what the other is doing. But there's also relationships on the left side of the field and the right side of the field. And so you look at the relationship that Alexa and Leah and Samar has built. You've worked at all year long and you're, you're running, you're, you want them to understand each other. So there's a lot of fluid, uh, there's a lot of fluid mobility there between your lines on a left side and a right side. The gamble that we had there is once you change that, you're changing the relationships that you've established all year long. And, uh, but for that game and for what we were trying to do, um, that was a priority for us. And so it preempted the, the relationships, but I think that, uh, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think our players did a really good job of, of, again, of, um, adapting to, uh, something that was a little bit different. And could we do that in the future? Certainly we could, um, but in this particular game, it made sense uh, given what we were trying to accomplish. So, and it, and it, you know, I would have to say, um, you know, we did. I, I'm not sure. I would say the players again caused the, the chances, but we created enough chances there to get something in the first half. And I thought we defended quite well uh, in the first half. And it was just disappointing that we 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 didn't have anything to show for it. That's probably where. Uh, you know, if you look back on that game, we lost the game, you know. So, I mean, it was, anyway, it was, it was enjoyable, you know, as the, 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 the trade-off from, you know, the, the season, you know, the, the final game of the season against um, Florida State, you know, losing four to three, you know, seven goal barn burner, you know, to, uh, to a draw after 120 minutes, 110 minutes, you know, was, uh, was striking. And, you know, I thought Florida State was the best team in the country, and you know you played them to a standstill, and and that says a, a whole heck of a lot about where the team was at at the time. Well, I, I think was, I think Florida, yeah, I think Florida State for sure was was uh, they were a great team, and uh, they had a lot of quality pieces to their uh, to their team, and I have to say. What you have to be really impressed with with their program is I think they kept, for the most part, they kept their team intact from the moment they started to the moment they ended the season. They did not have much uh, turn, turnover or turnaround. They lost Malia Berkeley to the pros, which was a huge loss for them. Um, but I think for the most part, you could bank on their starting lineup for what it was going to be. Oh, absolutely. I think they, they started the same lineup every single, every single yeah, game in the yeah. fall and you didn't, for, you know, <laughs> for us, completely the opposite. And I think right. one of the things that gave confidence is, you know, even though we played Florida state and got back into that game in the fall, four to three, we didn't compete in that game. We couldn't compete right. in that game. We had about eight players that were contact traced for 14 days prior to that game. And so we, we weren't fit and we weren't played in like Florida State was. We deserved to lose that game. But the one thing that game that we showed our grit in coming back into the game, and I think we showed something there 
that uh, that I think we we you know we, we we took positives from that game, and I think that gave us confidence in the second time we played them. So oh, I think definitely. it was a it was a fascinating year because of all the different things that we went through as a team, and everybody I'm sure had their own journey through it, but we certainly had our journey. Uh, you know, we couldn't get the same lineup all through the fall. You know, we were constantly changing. But I, but I actually think that again, you know, it kind of it helped us. It gave some players some real good experience that we drew on in the spring, and I think those are positives from it. You know. Well, you know, again, it's the the, the notion of when do you want to be playing your best soccer? Do you want to be playing your best soccer in September, or do you want to be playing at the NCAA tournament? Well, all of us yeah. fans want you playing your best soccer and get to the tournament. Yeah. So. It's, it, it's interesting because I, I was somebody was asked yesterday. I, I said that I think, again, my opinion, but I thought our team was playing its best soccer of the fall at the end of the fall, and I thought mm-hmm. our team clearly watched our team in the spring. We played our best soccer at the end of the spring, and I think again. It's it's a tribute to the players because it was not easy to get from point A to point B in the fall, and it was not easy to get from point A to point B in, in the spring. Um, but they did it, and I think a lot of it had to do with um, just their perse- perseverance and their belief and their um, you know sticking together as a team. And we got a lot of contributions for from all our players and even the ones that didn't play in the game, they were critical in our preparations and critical to, um, to giving us uh, what we needed in order to prepare. And I think, I think that's what good teams do. You know, they take whatever they're asked to do, whatever role they're asked to fulfill, they do it to the best of ability and they make the team better. And I think we have those kinds of um, individuals on the team this year. So, well, I mean, that's certainly going to help you next year. I mean, just looking at, at Emma Dawson, who I think just, you know, played better every single game of the NCAA tournament, you know, and isn't that what you want for your players? <laughs> you know, that every game they play better than the last game. I was so yeah. impressed, you know, that she, you know, she, she, she looked goal more. She learned to absorb pressure, I thought. So, you know, by, uh, by, holding the ball just a second longer. She was pulling the defender to her and she was getting the ball to Rebecca Jarrett. I thought in better space each and every time that she played out there with her. And, you know, she got to run five straight games, you know, which right. she exactly. had in the ball. Exactly. Yeah. yeah no, no I was doubt. very impressed. No yeah. So, um, I guess my, my question for Florida State is we, we know who your top three PK takers were. Will you disclose who your fourth and fifth PK takers would have been? Oh, in that game? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I put that out of my mind, Val. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. Uh, well, because, yeah, because I, what, what interested me is, is I don't think Sarah Clark played that game, but it looked like you subbed her in. Um right before the end of the end of the game because there's I didn't see her on the field but there's a picture you know that, no. that the Virginia website play showed where she's standing with nine other players yeah, she, she's one of our better penalty kickers so we we, we 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 can put them in the game um even if they haven't played as long as they're on the roster they can they can participate in, in a shootout like that so 
Um, so I mean, she, she was, was, in she was notice, noticeable in her presence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, at that point, I, 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 I felt, that well, it's interesting. You know, you look at Florida State, they ended up losing in a penalty kick shootout. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's again, that little bit of that, that randomness. I don't think, you know, I think that's something we've got to improve. It's not like we didn't work on it. You know, we practiced PKs. Uh, we just didn't perform well uh, on the day. Um, but I felt, uh, I felt strongly that, again, I, I felt we should have, uh, we created enough chances to win that game in regulation. And sure. it was interesting because I, we were thinking about making changes to, to even go to a more attacking uh, formation in the overtimes, but we felt we were getting chances. We felt in the overtimes, you know, I felt we, we controlled much of the first half. I think Florida state played well in the second half and uh, they asserted themselves more for certainly than they did in the first half. But I thought, I thought we were the one in this, in the both overtimes. I thought we had our chances and uh, we were getting chances. We were getting penetration. So, you know, but I, I think that, um, you know, for all practical purposes, I, I think the game was uh, would have been won or lost in the in the beginning. You know, in the first half, and in, in just taking our chances a little better, and that's something we can take away from that particular game. Well, I think that's what Angela Hookley's quoted you as saying that you know you have to you have to take those chances because Florida State ain't going to beat themselves. Yeah, <laughs> no, as long as I've been so. as long as I've been around them and and Mark's teams, you know, they they're not going to lose games. I mean, when we beat when we beat them, we we've, we've we've won the game. And uh right. you know, they're just not they're not going to beat them. They're not going to yeah. quit and they they're a good team and and uh you know, I felt I like you, I I felt uh they had uh you know they they had a a team that could certainly could have won the uh the whole thing and uh right. you know credit to Santa Clara that they 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 did what they did in the game and and uh won the PK shootout but uh yeah. but I think Florida State was quite good I think obviously North Carolina had a strong team and and Santa Clara performed well as well um it was a good NCAA tournament I thought there was I thought it was a really good advertiser for college soccer and I thought uh and I thought that the games were exciting games for the most part, you know. So mm-hmm. it was it was a, a fun event, and I think it probably made it a little more unique in that we were we were down in North Carolina for three straight weeks. You know, it felt like it almost felt like a World Cup where you're 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 in this you know this country for uh, three or four weeks, you know, almost a month, and you're 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 traveling from venue to venue and you're playing games. So. Was, Plus uh, you're bubbling, you know, I mean, keeping everybody yeah, separate yeah. and, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. interesting yeah. time. So, yeah. so anyway, um, looking ahead to the fall, um, do you have, do you know what Laurel Ivory's plans are? Is she returning yeah, Laurel, in the fall Laurel or? She will return in the fall. Okay. Yes. So, which leads me to the, the, the question that, you know, I mean, we're aware as sports fans that, you know, everybody got a fifth season and the pandemic year sucked and it was hard for everybody, but we're all kind of wondering, you know, how coaches are dealing with this glut of players who would normally have left. Um, You know, how do you, uh, what kind of conversation do you have with Kayla White and Michaela Moran 
saying, well, you know, this, this keeper who was here for four years, and I presume they were expecting to be gone, is coming back. I mean, what kind of conversation did you have with them? Well, I think, um, I don't, I think you just, you know, you, you, the biggest thing for me is I think if you ask Kayla White and Michaela Moran, uh, would Laurel Ivory, would you want Laurel Ivory to stay uh, for, for another year, for another season? Um, they would tell you yes. And the reason is because Laurel Ivory helps make those guys better. Um, and to me, it's about, it's about the development of your team and the development of your players. Now we certainly have, we're certainly going to have more challenges. I think a lot of teams are going to have more challenges because their roster, their rosters are bigger, but you, I think this is where coaches have to come up with um, some creative solutions to figure out how you can continue to develop the players in your program. um, You know, that you feel are going to impact down the road and, that's that's the big thing we're trying to do now is we're looking at it and we're saying um, we're going to have players coming back that we uh, we're happy that they're back to make our team stronger. But how do you look at your team as a whole and, and continue to develop the ones that may not um, that may not get as much time? And so those are things that we're looking at right now. But I think we can come up with solutions for that. And, uh, you know, when I was a player, you know, I certainly obviously I wanted to play but it was more important that I was developing than I was growing. And, uh, you know, all of those guys get their year back, so they're not going to lose their year. You know, Kayla's going to get right. her year back. And so um, it's, it's just, can we, can we keep uh, Michaela and Kayla in, in their, you know, relative to their position? Can we keep them developing? You know, I think it's going to be, uh, I think that's our challenge, but I think, I think we've got some solutions that we can do that, you know. So it's, 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 it's not, um, you know, for instance, we, you may, you might look at some incoming players and you might say, look, in in a normal year, we would want them and we would expect them to impact Uh, because of players that we've got coming back. They may not impact as much. Maybe you would redshirt those players um, Mm -hmm. if that's what's going to help them and, and, and come up with a, a different training regimen that you can really um, accelerate their development over their time here. So yeah. those are things that we're, we're looking at. And, um, you know, I think our, our team every year, you're going to have a, a competitive team and we've, we've certainly had that throughout our team, but I think in this particular year, uh, we're just going to have a few more numbers and, and we'll have to, you know, that's something that uh, I think a lot of teams are dealing with right now. Oh, I'm, I'm, I know everybody's going to, I mean, it's just, it, it's one of those things. And it, I think it's the right call by the NCAA, you know, I mean, this was yeah, not, <laughs> not a normal year, but it, you know, I mean, I, I know, I know if I had, I don't know, I would want to be playing. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that who's the best player on the team, but I would want to play, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Which, well, it's different. It's different for me. For, so, so for me, if I felt like I'll give you an example um, I wanted to play when I was a freshman in college um, and I did not want to redshirt. And so I had players that were clearly better than me at the time uh, playing in my position. Now I competed. I played in four games just enough to get me 
uh, to lose my eligibility for one year, you know? Yeah. And so here right now I became, when I, when I, when I come back now as a fifth year and I want my year because I'm much further along than I was as a freshman, I'm, I'm going to be more impactful. I've lost my year. And so right. I played in. Yeah. I think Jason 200. Wilford on the basketball program has, has said the same kind yeah. of thing. And it's yeah. whether you're not, do you yeah. want to play 200 minutes as a freshman or do you potentially play 2000 minutes as a fifth year senior, you know, yeah. and, and what's best for you. And so, you know, those are things that, that every situation is a little different, certainly, but those are the things sure. in general, those are the kind of, of situations that we we're looking at and you have to deal with just one of them as yeah. a coach. So I want to talk briefly just before we close about one player who is leaving. Ashlyn Sarepka. Um, you know, you, you honored her at senior night, which I guess triggered some, some thoughts in me. I mean, Sarepka came in, uh, you know, for, you know, she, she entered the, you know, she entered UVA in the, in the spring of what would have been her senior year in high school, which means she graduated in seven semesters, <laughs> which hey, I just want to call attention to, because I think that's incredible. Um, you know, incredibly I, impressive. <laughs> incredibly yeah, impressive. I, I it took me six awesome. years to do four, so I, I'm definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely up up with that sentiment. But, but she is leaving, and I guess I presume that that was you know when she graduated in 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 three and a half years. When did you know that she was leaving, Steve? When did she tell you? It's like I I want something different for next year. When did she tell you? We discussed it uh, heading into the spring. Um, okay. We discussed it heading into the spring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I, I'm impressed with she's her. A, I mean, I, I know that. Go ahead. We no, she's she she is a uh, first class human being, and, uh, and you know, just an incredible servant to our team. Um, I think it was her kind of at you know. It was her mentality. It was her attitude that really, um, I think, was one of the reasons. Again, that she was one that never, without a doubt, believed that we couldn't get to the college cup and win the whole thing. And it was uh-huh. kind of okay. her mindset, her mindset that kind of, I think, w- w- infected a lot of players on the team. And uh, you know, Ashlyn was one of those players that. Uh, did all the little things that uh, that mattered in practice and in games, and uh, made our team better. And uh, I think that she is. Uh, we, I think she leaves Virginia with nothing, but uh, she's earned her keep. And uh, uh, you know, she's <laughs> she, helped us she enormously. She, she's yeah. helped us enormously, and we wish her the best. You know, she's. Uh, uh, we wish her nothing but the best. I think this is one of those cases where. Um, you know, from our perspective, um, we we were privileged to have her here at the University of Virginia, and uh, she served the team incredibly well. And uh, she was an amazing teammate. So, well, that that was my thought. I mean, I, I you know, she came in as what the number ten ranked player according to Top Four Soccer. You know, and I, you know, I don't know what seventeen year old her thought her her college career was going to be like, but. You know, she was a she was a second line, you know, forward for you. But she always came in. She always played hard. You know, it never looked to me like 
you can tell what sometimes when people are subbed and they don't want to come out, <laughs> they get angry. <laughs> Never saw yeah, that well, on well, her. She's a competitor. Yeah, yeah she's a competitor, yeah. and she's uh, um, like I said, I, I think she's. We have a number of players in our program that uh, that make a difference every day, and uh, Ashlyn, like Ashlyn, and I think Ashlyn is. Uh, um, she's. She's the reason coaches get into coaching, you know, to develop relationships mm-hmm. and work with people like her. So we'll miss her. Yeah. Good luck to her. So for those of us who who don't follow this as detailed as Val does, what, what is she moving on to do? She's going to go to the University of Alabama. And uh, okay. she's got two, two years left of eligibility. And so she'll play with uh, with their team down there and get her master's degree. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I mean, again, seven semesters. Seven semesters. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. That's amazing. And to do that, to do that while while playing a, a major sport, it's yeah. So she made us all proud. Yeah. So who do we have coming in the fall, Steve? Who's who should we? Who should I be ready for? You know, come uh, come. You know, first game of the first game in the fall. Who, who are you most well, excited to have you, join the I'm team? Let you sort that. I'm gonna let you ask that out. Uh, I, I think Val, no you, of... you asked this question once before: what player he's most excited about? And, and the answer yeah. then is was the same as it will be now. All of them. You're just <laughs> not going right. to get a different answer to that question, right? Because yeah, right. if he think, if, uh... if he comes on here and he says I'm most excited about player A, then player B, C, and D they're they're going to be like they're not going to talk to him for a week because they're going to be like. Lord. Or maybe you, have you made, like made your chips on you their like shoulders. Her. You know, it's good to have a chip on your shoulder sometimes. You know. Yeah, but, I think uh, these, I think our income class um, is is strong, and and we're excited about them. Uh, but you know, we have a lot of very experienced players coming back, and so um, high expectations you know, I think, next year. Uh, there's always high expectations. Fred. There's always <laughs> high expectations. Um, I think our program every year, we want to win an ACC championship. We want to win an NCAA championship. There's no, those are our goals. And uh, so, uh, you know, we've had good seasons, really good seasons where we haven't done that. And it, it, in our minds, these, these are our goals and this is what we're going after. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. But uh, I think we've got, uh, we've got a lot of experience coming back and, uh it's how quickly we can mold. We're not going to have a, we're not going to have a seven week uh, preseason this year. We're not going to have uh, time in the after the fall to get ready and 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 play in the spring and and keep growing. So we're going to have to come together awfully quickly. And uh, so there's challenges there. But uh, um, excited about the spring. And I'm going to be asking you these questions, Val, um, when I see you in the fall. I'm All right. Okay. Like. <laughs> and, uh, That's well, what you I, want. Next I, time I, when I you can interview it. Val, we got to leave next We'll give you some talking okay. points for criticizing his writing. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for joining us. It was uh, it's an absolute pleasure having you aboard. We wish you the best for the upcoming season. And uh, you know, I'm getting excited. It, this was uh, this was a miserable year. So hopefully it's in our rearview mirror, and uh, yeah. you know I lost I lost my season last year. I, I coached middle school, 
you know, and, and just like you, I only get the players for a short period of time. I mean, I get my players for three years and I lost a year with them. So I, I know how precious this season must have been to you because it, it looked like it could have been gone. And yet well, out of it, you it was, went to the final four. So, yeah, no, well, it's nice that, that we have a quick turnaround here in college soccer. We'll be back here in a, in a month or two. So, uh, really excited about the, the season and and most excited to get our fans back and get uh, the atmosphere back at Clockner. I think that'll mm-hmm. be fun. And just the atmosphere in general, the college soccer game. So uh, that'll be great, but I always appreciate coming on and, and uh, thank you for inviting me and uh, we'll do it again. Again, we'll do it again. All soon. Right, okay? All right. Thanks coach. Looking forward to it, Steve. Have a, Have a great night. day. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we're sitting here at the, uh, 10:26. Do we want to continue on with our next segment, or Trey Murphy? Or so I, I, I was thinking we should talk about Trey Murphy going pro, but um, that discussion went very long, and so I think we'll just save that for our next show. That can be one of the things we talk about. We're going to have a wrap season wrap up show after um, baseball stops stretching out Winning, this sports yeah. year so long. You know. <laughs> Hopefully, when they've won the College World Series, but once once all the teams are done, we're gonna have a, a year wrap up segment where we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about each one of these other teams that have done so great, like baseball and lacrosse and the track and field, and there's a tennis star and there's swim and dive, and, and so we're gonna give some shout outs to all of those and then talk a little bit about a little bit of basketball and football where we are moving forward. So it's gonna be. Um, a fast-paced, very content-filled show. So we'll we'll talk about Trey then. Um, I'm just I just have one thing to say. I hate to see him go, um, but I definitely wish him the best, and uh, I'm excited to see you know uh, you know how how he does, and and uh, definitely support his his decision with with every fiber of my being. So best of luck to Trey. Absolutely. So that's us for for our uh, penultimate uh, episode for this uh, third season of the Views Cast podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm signing off. I'm your host. I'm Val. Saying good night to Seattle. Wahoo! Wahoo!